So super busy, TK. Holy jumping just Jesus. one hour, just one Can't hour of your day. This. Fucking Christ in the middle of the week. What are we doing? One one hour of your day to just sort of breeze on by talking about commercial real estate. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Exciting Should stuff. Be fun. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If I could position my head properly, then we're good I think my to head's go. in a good position. Your head's in a great position. Yeah. It's Welcome. above water. Like that's a good position these days, right? You know what? <laughs> My head's been good. Been in a good position for a while now. For a while now, yeah. Yeah, it's been you know it's been just it's sort a, of floating above water. I got a feeling there's a lot of people that have felt that way for years that are about to get a little bit of a smackdown. people who are regretting uh, some of the decisions they made regret but, yeah. but but uh, there's also a lot of innocent people people innocent who are just people. minding their own business paying their mortgage you know job loss happened emergency with the family medical expenses hmm. you know unexpected unforeseen circumstances daryl and then the bank of canada decided to just slap them in the back of their head with their big giant stick and now they're making payments every single month and they're struggling struggling they're that struggling. stick was like just a little bit it was a heavy crazy. stick jesus christ it was a heavy stick and people are complaining tiff we get it man okay we get it like they're you got a big stick bro okay we get it stop hitting us with it please that's the that's the problem he doesn't know when to stop and by the time he's done hitting us Stop. with this stick Jeez. they're going to look back and say well maybe we hit them a little bit too much because that's what we're seeing though we're starting to see bankruptcies like uh tick up uh from what i gather i i hear a lot of uh i hear a, a lot of anecdotes lately um like mark morris remember mark morris the lawyer yep. he joined yep. he was on the show at least once um so so he he put out a tweet or an X or whatever the fuck you call that right now. Uh, but he put out a tweet that basically said, like, he's handing a lot of files over to trustees now um, instead of mortgage brokers. Yeah. Whereas I guess before it used to be like, let's just refinance this thing and get you out of trouble. And now it's like, uh, sorry, bud, like, you're now, way too deep. Like, he I wasn't get... handing any to trustees before. And right. now he's handing like four. Daryl, did you hear the news? What news, TK? People are watching the show and they're not subscribing. A lot of them. Like, it's unbelievable. We, but we keep getting more subscribers. There's just a Wait, lot of people. Right Get more now. views, more subscribers. But we're you know what rocking. really helps? Please when people help us. like When people like the video. And comments, and I comments. think. Yeah. Subs are cool, though. They make me not really feel sure. good. The subs definitely look cool. And at like least it'll subs. let you know when we have another episode. And we might even release content during the week that you might not even know about. Extra content. Happen. Yeah. Don't hold your breath up. Thanks for watching anyways. Please sub now. Four. Yeah. So it's like a Are you 400. just saying that or do you know this I'm for just, a fact? I, I know for sure like what he's talking about is it's happening it more often. But as far as the, the volume of it, it, it's still actually pretty low. Hey, listen. Right. But it's what? happening now. It's happening. And I'm dealing, when I'm the dealing with the big receivership. 
I'm dealing with a big receivership property right now. We had State View Homes under receivership, and those lots I, I told you about, I was uh, investigating for a client, so I was able to, you know, kind of get all the background. I signed, I signed an NDA, NDA, but I'm not even really sure what I'm supposed to not. So you talk should talk about. about it on the show. Well, do you know what I mean? Like they actually sent me most of the stuff before I even it's just signed an NDA. Anything. Nobody gives a shit about <laughs> NDAs. Like, anyway. Isn't it supposed to go the other way? What a but bunch regardless. Of Regardless, what I what I found when I looked at those properties um, is how much money those guys actually paid for them in the first place. The the lenders that are exposed on those sites are in trouble. I don't think they're getting most of their money back, to be honest with you. To find somebody who's going to take over that project in its current stage, which is like ground zero, to like they've they've cleared some trees. Uh, and now is going to be able to go and take it on or try to build whatever it is, hundreds of townhouses over the next however many years while they get their zoning and everything else. They're not they're not going to be paying the kind of numbers that those guys paid. You know, what a scam that was. Holy smokes. But I, I always come back to and nobody seems to like agree with me or jump on this bandwagon. But at some point, the appraisers should have been like, I can't write this number down. Like I can't do this. Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. How commercial is different. You're talking about on residential. Oh, I understand. Both. But, but commercial commercial's so different. You know that. What the fuck does commercial have to do with anything right now? It has it to did... do with the element because in Canada, everybody's personally guaranteeing most of these commercial loans. So even though and the loan to value is lower. Are right? we talking about commercial? I thought we we're talking about residential right now. Well, sure. Let's go back to residential. No, but the, residential. The, but that's where it's. That's where. That's where it's going to be. That's where the bigger issues are. Is that these appraisers are overvaluing properties, or at least agreeing with what? The oh yeah, last doing. week it sold for right. one million. For sure, it's worth one three today. Yeah, the like, guy that paid makes it. Sense you paid it. I had an appraiser it. call me today. Actually, it's and worth it's... what somebody is willing to pay. Tk. So the the appraiser called me to do the appraisal. I'm the sure. listing agent. Yeah, I what want you this think thing it's to worth, close. Bro? Yeah. They didn't ask me that, but they were just like, so how new are those windows? How new is that furnace? Right. When was the rent due? How, um, sorry, when was the uh, roof done? And and how much is the rent in the basement? TK. In your and I'm opinion, not going to yeah. downplay anything yeah. here, okay? This place is immaculate. How renovated man. is this place? It's renovated. Perfect. It's, it's, it's nice. You know? Like I don't think I've seen too many places like this before. Recently renovated. Yeah. For right? sure. Brand because new roof, 2010. This one was no. I told her the furnace was new. It was, it was yeah. about twelve years old. Two thousand and eight, new yeah, furnace, halfway like through its new. life expectancy. It's yeah. like new. But you know, on the commercial side, it's different because the commercial people are um, obviously influenced by different factors, and then they also the commercial lenders. Really? The way that they're looking at it, they're going like, "Look." So the one of the situations that I'm dealing with is they have a lot of personal covenants. So the lenders are kind of just like, "Look." I understand that we might not be able to get as much money for this property that we need to be able to pay off the existing loan. But we also have security on these other properties where if we have to, we'll be able to get court orders in order to get paid and make ourselves whole. And in the commercial world, they are a little bit more, you know, okay with and comfortable, you know, going down that path if they need to. Right. So in, in my opinion, the question that you asked was about, we were talking specifically about um I'm, I'm just saying appraisers are bloody okay. scam artists. But we're talking specifically about State View Homes, the guys who were lending them money were you looking are. at their balance sheet. They were looking at their assets. They were saying, yeah. 
These guys have hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. worth of assets here, and their balance sheet only shows. No, 60, but they were playing games. They were playing accounts. Exactly, games. exactly. Yeah, for sure. And so when they when they ended up now everything's on the table and everything's under receivership, all the creditors are coming out. They're saying, "No, they owe me money too." Oh no, I lent them the money. I got I got a promissory note, and I got I got a, I'm in second position, and hmm. I got that property tied in, and their whole sure. their whole uh, portfolio is leveraged. You get a big deposit and it's like, okay, take the snapshot of the financials now. Okay. Where it shows, you know, that you got $5 million in the bank. All of a sudden. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter that it will not be there in three hours. Yeah. But these guys were definitely cooking some books, but there has to be help because when you overpay for a property, you know what later everybody's like, oh, well they overpaid. Of course that's what happened to them. Right? Like, but hold on a sec. Like the appraiser has to tell the lender, the lender has to convince all of the people that they've put together in their little pool of, of people that are lending. And everybody has to be convinced that this pro property is worth this amount of money, whether it's mm -hmm. residential or commercial, same thing, doesn't make a difference. And somewhere along the way, the, all the appraisers seem to have lost their way, TK. And mm -hmm. they're all motivated by the same thing. It's all motivated by the same thing. No, if it doesn't no go through, you no one get gets paid, paid bro. Yeah. Right. So, 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 um, how do you, how do you fix that? Like who's hiring the guy that is going to tell you the, the truth when you don't really need the truth. You just need that number to be the right number. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, or all of a sudden they, this they one guy is by, super busy by, <laughs> by some of the laws that we have already with, um, maximum loan to values. Right. So it protects it protects it protects the, the lenders from those type of uh, fluctuations in, in, in the market Maximum and on appraised values. values. Yeah, but everybody's yeah. working with private capital. There's no rules. Well, no rules there, with the Maybe private. there needs to be on the private side, you know. But the private side got created by the rules on So the, you know what the right? privates would do? They would just tell Hello? the appraisers, look, I need you to appraise this at 120% of whatever it's actually worth. So yeah. that when we calculate it at 75% loan to value, the right. number is actually not going to be so bad, you know? Right. Yeah. Listen, I've seen some wacky appraisers or appraisals in my time and yeah. they're all justified somehow, mm. but they're, they're, they're not really both ways. Like I've seen guys use. You and I have done them. You and I have done them. And you're like, you're like, can we like maybe make this worth like, you know, a little bit more, a little bit less? Could Is this possible? And then, oh, like in a sudden, CMA, sure. And then all of a sudden I've got some new comparables to, to, well, to feed off of. Sometimes consultants need a little bit of guidance. Speaking of consultants, he's, he's like uh, trying really hard to get in here. He was having a little bit of trouble. So let's bring him in. Um, what, what were we speaking about consultants? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Consultants. You're my consultant. I'm your consultant. I thought yeah, you're my consultant. People in the comments are my consultants. I just get advice from them. Well, they know better than us. That's for damn Apparently. sure, TK. Yeah. I feel like, you know, buying something right now is kind of crazy. No, come on. Kind of crazy. But you know what? Because of, there he is. Hey, sorry about that, guys. No problem. No problem, Paul. No problem. We're, we got more than enough to say on our own. So yeah, when you're we... when you're ready, you're ready. There's uh, no running out of words around here. That's for damn sure. Well, what I was saying, though, is like because of how small a fry I am, I mm -hmm. like 
my last deal, which was super over leveraged, I paid a really high rate. So now the rates I'm getting, they're not really scaring me that much. I mean, they're high, but they're not that much higher than what I was paying before. Right. Mm -hmm. Not that that's good or anything, but it, it like high doesn't, rates. it doesn't hurt as much for me. It's not like, you know, the big guys who all of a sudden they're looking at eight, 9% and they're going, holy shit, this doesn't make any sense. Anyways. I'll bet Paul right, knows a enough lot about enough this. Of that, Daryl. Enough, yeah. enough of that, Daryl. Enough of that, Daryl. Welcome, Paul. So <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming and talking to us today. You know, we're we're kind of rolling right into the show here. It's pretty, pretty relaxed. Pretty relaxed. But you and I were having a great conversation about commercial real estate. We were talking about um, you know, some of the stuff that you know your company has been doing and some of your clients. Um, why don't why don't you give a little self-introduction? Uh, who are you? Who do you work for and what do you do? Sure. Um, so I'm a partner at the law firm Osler, Hoskin and Harcourt. It's um, one of the premier national firms in Canada. We date back to the 1850s. Um, we are a national law firm with offices in Vancouver, Calgary, Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, and New York. Uh, mm -hmm. Toronto being the mothership, the, the biggest office in our network. I've been practicing real estate law for just over 35 years, and I'm the chair of our national real estate group. Perfect. Well, welcome to the show. Qualified. Yeah, there you go. Now, there is another Paul Morissuti out there. There, There is. is. He's my cousin. He's the chair of CBRE. So the... Uh, what? The the, so, the the real estate DNA runs deep in the family. Just to make sure. Keep Creativity, though, with the naming is not uh, not so not so it's strong. It's a good name. It's a good name. Well, I, 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 had, I had the name first. But okay. he's he's younger, taller, thinner, has a full head of hair, dresses well, has a swanky condo. He doesn't hurt my brand any, so I let him use the name. <laughs> no Good. competition. So some of the things that we were talking about before, Paul, was just uh, you know a lot of the commercial office space, right? I mean, right now we're hearing all sorts of different things. We're hearing about uh, vacancy rate across the country is at about thirteen percent higher in places like Calgary. We've got uh, office buildings that are looking at being converted into residential space. We've got work from home trends where people are almost saying, come back to work. We're paying for all this office space. We, we, we need you here at the office. We demand like, it. What's, what's the trend right now? Like I'm just reading these things. I'm not actually a commercial tenant or landlord uh, for office space. So what, uh, what's the truth? So um, the truth is all of the above and, and, and some other stuff as well. Uh, Different markets have different pressures. Uh, so let, let's start with Calgary because that's the outlier when it comes to office vacancy. And, and let's just talk about the office market uh, itself for because there are other asset classes are being affected quite differently than office. The big issue for office is return to work versus work from home. Um, Calgary has other pressures because it's still as hard as they're trying to diversify their economy. It's still uh, a one industry town as oil and gas goes. So goes Calgary. Um, so oil and gas took a hit a few years ago, which really affected the office market in Calgary. That's why it's got the higher vacancy rate. In addition, it's got the oldest office stock in Canada. So a lot of the vacancy is driven by class B and class C buildings. The class A towers, they're fine. It's they've they've got an abundance of lower quality or aged office towers. And that's why you hear talk in Calgary about converting some of that to residential. Great idea. 
unfortunately, office buildings aren't designed, we're, we're not designed initially to be residential towers. So if you think of things like access to a window, if you've got a square building, it doesn't work. A rectangular building works much better for a conversion to, uh, to residential. And in addition, it's expensive to do that because think of the plumbing you need um, in a residential tower. So every unit needs a washroom, a kitchen. An office floor plate doesn't have that. So if you can find the right building to retrofit, the cost to retrofit is prohibitive. Um, but can it work? Sure, it can work. Um, and, and there's a million free building. If you a get a free building, feet, a million yeah. square feet was just approved in Calgary. 12, 12 yeah. different buildings, twelve hundred units, something like that. Yeah, and and it's for and it's taking tax incentives from the city to sort of bridge the gap on on the economics. Hmm. Okay, uh, and and free and building. Then, yeah, free building. Well. Wow. Not not really free because somebody owns it, right? But um, but yeah, if you, if you can't get office tenants in there, then you may not have much choice. It's either that or blow it up and do something else, like literally demolish it. How high are these things in Calgary, anyways? Like they're blowing them up here if they're even twenty stories. It said, it said twelve buildings, twelve hundred units. So I mean, uh, they'd probably be low. I mean, they wouldn't be that high, right? Six, six to ten stories, something like that. Ten, well, you, ten you might have per... taller than that. You might probably twenty to thirty is my guess mm -hmm. for office towers, right? Yeah. But, but again, Tor Toronto, Vancouver, very, very different markets, right? Yeah. It probably makes way better sense to knock an old building down and put up a brand new condo or multi-res building if that's if that's the direction you want to go in. Um, but no one's doing that. You might start seeing that in some of the older stock, but. Um, but for now, that's not happening in well, either. In, in, in Toronto, they protect all those buildings. You know, they're like, yeah. "Oh, that was built in 1946. We better make sure no one ever can come to Toronto without seeing that building." And you look yeah. at it, and you're just like, "What? What are you doing?" We should force them to make like this really crazy modern thing that pops out of this beautiful old building that also makes the numbers not work anymore. Like the performance doesn't work because you got to spend. Eight million dollars to save that facade. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen and, some and, pretty cool stuff though that they've been forced to do, but like, how do they make money? That's why the prices keep going up because they force you to do such stupid shit, spend so much money on stuff, nonsense that you got to raise the price. It's the only way out. Are people... Yeah. It, it, it's, it's almost like you can never change something just because it was there before. Right. It's I'm I'm not a fan of the brutalist architecture period, where it's basically just a lot of a concrete wall with square windows. Um, but for whatever reason, it's been deemed a form of architecture that needs to be protected. Mm -hmm. And so, so so it's one thing if you have a beautiful historical facade that actually is aesthetically pleasing, but we're now protecting things that I find aesthetically ugly. Yeah. Right. So, so where's this, where's the city building in, in that initiative? But, but to and, your and point. That's, and that's the old enough stock. Like that's our older, that's a stock that's old enough for us to actually demolish and to replace. Exactly. Right? And so that's, that's why we're not seeing as much in Vancouver and Toronto. Not what, um, good. what about trends then? So like, you know, um, we, you and I were talking, so your company was actually leasing additional office space. Yeah. So 
so that let, let's talk for a second about work from home versus return to office. Mm-hmm. Again, it depends on what your what your business is. We're a law firm. We work in teams all day, every day, um, and when when you're working in teams, communication is uh, is critical. There is no substitute for face to face conversation for clarity. There's you can't misinterpret a tone in an email when you're talking live. Um, when you're talking live, and if if you ask me a question, I give you an answer. Now it makes you think of two more questions. How much more efficient is talking than typing or texting? Um, right, and and also if if somebody on my team wants to reach me, if they stick their head in my door, I'll stop what I'm doing. I'll talk to them right away. You send me an email or phone me. I may let it sit there until I have a convenient time to re- get, get back to you. Mm-hmm. And if a client's hair is on fire and they need an answer right away and someone needs input from me on it, and I don't know what the situation is, we're now doing our client a disservice because we're not providing the, the, the service that we normally provide. So, in our business, because of what we do, and, and mentoring is very a very big thing of what we do. So we have junior lawyers, mid-level lawyers, partners. We staff our teams with the right expertise, depending on what the, the file is. So we have juniors who learn from the mid-levels, mid-levels learn from the partners. And, and part of the job of a lawyer here, as you get more senior, is mentoring someone junior to you. So it's a very symbiotic relationship. Daryl's my mentor. Daryl teaches me how to (laughs) swear online and, uh, you know, have nice hair. I'm, I'm good at that. I'm good at both of those things. So hold on. So, okay. Are people in trouble right now? Like, are you seeing any people that like are either about to go over the cliff or are you seeing a lot of people that just went over the cliff? Are there bankruptcies coming down the pipe? Like is we were just talking about that before you 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 joined the call, but the lawyers is generally the first place to see all that action, right? So, um, yes and no. Uh, yes, in some of the some of the you saw a spate of retail insolvencies mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of this year. Um, so Nordstrom is exiting Canada. Um, Bed Bath and Beyond uh, closed up shop first in Canada, now in the States as well. Um, there've been a few other retailers. That's just, um, maybe that was just gonna, maybe that was inevitable, but maybe COVID just accelerated what was gonna happen. Um, Bed Bath & Beyond and Nordstrom, very different scenarios. Nordstrom made a business decision that uh, is similar to Target. It wasn't making money, um, wasn't really, um, a bankruptcy issue. Um, it was just not 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 gen- generating revenue. And if the, the American parent didn't keep funding the Canadian sub, who knows how long it was going to take the Canadian business to become profitable? But they weren't prepared to keep losing money on Canada for the foreseeable future. Bed Bath and Beyond was there was just uh, dead in the water, um, and and you saw the the American company. Uh, file as well right after because even the parent was in trouble um so again may, maybe that was just a failed uh retail business and it was just waiting for the inevitable to happen but that is kind of slowing down uh the, the insolvency st- filings seem to be slowing down what is gathering steam on the other hand 
is a slowdown in the real estate industry. And that's a reflection of interest rates finally having their effect. Real estate is interest sensitive, right? So a lot of- When you say real estate, is that like as a whole or are you talking about- As a whole, as a whole. And like like real estate assets tend to be financed, whether it's residential or commercial. Yeah. Right? Um, And as interest rates rise, that makes owning a real estate asset less economical, depending on how high rates go. Uh, And because of the rise in rates that we had below 2% rates for how long? Years, right? So people got used to cheap money. Now, uh, when the the Bank of Canada rate crests 5% and commercial mortgages are 7, 8, 9%, if you can get it, that's now had a cooling effect on the commercial real estate industry. So deal flow is definitely impacted. It's slowing down. And and that's, that was the intention. Uh, raise interest rates, cool off the economy. So we are absolutely seeing a slowdown in deal flow in, in commercial real estate. And I was talking to Daryl about this before too, is um, the way that um, in the US, right? So US is having a lot of a lot more issues with delinquencies on buildings and stuff. Their financing in the States is really tied to the asset, right? So like they're buying a building. They don't have a lot of personal guarantees. It's very just like, okay, you know what? Maybe you're just walking away from the building and or, or the unit or, or whatever it is because you can't make your payments anymore. But Canada, I mean, you got a lot of REITs and pension funds and like really heavily capitalized companies. Or if they're individuals, They've got a lot of personal guarantees in the, in the market and stuff like that. So it's a much more stable market um, in, in commercial as far as like whether or not someone's going to be going power of sale on a, on a downtown office building or something, right? Like it's much less likely. But the value of those buildings are dropping. As interest rates are going up, those values of those, those properties are going down. And it see. we're gonna see to, they, something big they gotta soon. put more money in they gotta put more capital in they've got to pay down some of those loans they have to take away money they would put somewhere else and put it into those assets because somebody's fucked they're on the hook no matter what right somebody at this point has to be coming out soon with a portfolio that's fucked up like how do you avoid that at this point like rates went up so much it's insane like anybody that had like there's some portfolios that have like all the mortgages roll over at the same time, right? They're all under like one big umbrella loan. That that can you imagine if you were at like two percent, two and a half percent, and now you're like, where are you? Eight percent, nine percent. So, uh, so two two points to make here. Um, and TK, you're absolutely right. The Canadian real estate market is dominated by pension funds and REITs. Pension, the pension funds are incredibly deep pockets. Like uh, they have tens of billions of dollars under management. So um, uh, they will weather this storm. Uh, REITs, let's come back to that in a second. Also look at the asset classes. Retail is doing fairly it's fairly stable. Um, so I'm not sure that there's been a drop off in value on, on retail assets. Industrial assets, they're the flavor of the month and they have been for the last three or four years. Their value, if anything, is skyrocketed. Rents are way up. Availability is way down. Uh, vacancy rates are negligible. Office is the huge question mark. Um, should values be coming down? Yeah. 
because what's their leasing activity these days? But also don't forget office leases are done on five, 10, 15 year um, terms. So it's when those leases start rolling over and you have to replace it with a new lease, what's that new lease going for if you can, if you can. So that's when you're going to start seeing the vacancy rates in, in the office market really start playing uh, a role in this. Um, and and, uh, and Daryl, you're absolutely right. When you go to roll over your, your debt, it's going to be at a much higher level. If you can find financing, if so you I, can I, find the financing, right? oh God! Right, yeah, so, like, so you could be willing uh, to pay ten percent, and no one will give it to you. That's what right. happened to me in two thousand and eight or nine. Like I exactly. would have paid anything. Nobody was giving me a penny. I was fucked. Yeah, and and so that so I would really cast a wary eye on uh, any REIT that has uh, a big office holding. That I think is going to be the uh, the the big the problem child. Um, if it's owned by a pension fund, they'll shrug their shoulders and just say it'll get be- it'll get better at some point in the future. We'll just wait. Um, but the REITs um, or or private ownership that has to refinance that'll that'll be where, like I said, that's the problem child. Office REITs. Toronto, Toronto, um, yeah, office specific ones. Toronto added eleven million square feet of office space prior to the pandemic what's the likelihood of anybody building an office tower you know new like new plans i know there's some that are under underway right now i mean we've got some beautiful new buildings downtown and then the east harbor and stuff like that that are coming that are like again hundreds of thousands of square feet each building but what's the likelihood now of somebody trying to build a new construction is that is there well, a demand on. for like a modern building where you know they'll be able to come up with these features that the buildings built five years ago don't have and that's where amazon's going to want to be or that's where uh you know meta is going to want to be like do you see that that's possible a lot of the new buildings though are building office within the residential like in a mixed kind of scenario so like a, a lot of the newer stuff that was applied for in the last five years have like this office component in like the middle level right and they're all trying to figure out how to restructure that now so yeah yeah and and you'll uh, you're you're, i don't know that any anybody's planning on uh, starting construction on a new office tower for the foreseeable future we we've got enough right now um there has been a flight to quality so the new towers are pretty much um leased up and the most recent one I can think of is probably the well the well yeah for sure didn't somebody just back out of a big one at the well yeah, so Shopify had I think two hundred, three hundred thousand square feet, um, oh, and and then they came out with their work from home policy. So uh, they're desperately trying to sublease all that space, but they're paying for it. Oh, they're so, still paying for it. Well, they're legally on the hook to pay their their rent. So what a great so, tenant. <laughs> yeah, so the landlord is saying, well, it's a shame you're not using this beautiful, brand new, state of the art building, yeah. but thank you for the rent. Yeah. What that's really impacting is the retail component at the bottom of the building, right? right. All that's a lot of people, yeah. Right? It's all those office workers that were supposed mm-hmm. to be shopping and eating in the building um, aren't there. However, mm-hmm. it also has a sizable residential component that is coming on stream. So the people who actually live in the project, they'll 
they'll help the retail yeah, we'll component, but, but, but the office it hasn't closed yet though. The, the it looks so great. The well, have you been down there? Holy yeah, it cow. Yeah. It's like, Oh, magnificent. Beautiful. What a great job. Yeah. So, it, so that's a microcosm of what you're seeing in Toronto, right? Well, retail is doing fine. Restaurants all seem to be, have bounced back. Um, it's the office sector. That's, um, that's a real laggard. And again, it's, uh, it's the fight for uh, return to home versus uh sorry return to office versus work from home and and if you can do your job uh from home you're going to want to do that right but there again there are pros and cons there are efficiencies to staying home but if your organization values its culture um and collegiality and community as we do like we're again because of what we do and how we do it um, we function far better in person as a team in the same spot rather than on Zoom calls or sending most, out. Most, most companies do, you know, like it's, there's no, like maybe they don't realize that or they really just need to restructure because of other, you know, financial uh, impacts that, that the economy has on them right now. But I mean, what, what when is a manager not going to be a better manager when, you know, he's in the same on the same floor as you, or, you know, one of your colleagues that you have a relationship, the synergy between you two is going to be better when you guys get to go out for lunch and eat together. Like there is, there, there's a, there's a huge story. I don't, I think there's very few businesses that I would say work better uh, when people are all just sitting at home in their underwear on, on a computer screen. But I want to kind of change uh, course here. My, my, this morning I went to go fill up uh, my gas tank and I noticed that prices were pretty high. And I noticed that, uh, um, thinking that on, too hearing on the radio that prices are going to go up even further and that we're going to start to see, uh, you know, gas prices get out of hand. And the Inflation. other thing that I'm noticing is the economy is doing really well. Too so it's well. like, we've got all these great pressures on us that basically it doesn't really seem like rates will be going back down no. anytime soon. If the economy is doing well and you know, we continue to see inflation pressure, inflationary pressures, like what, what do you, how, how do you guys, look at that type of situation. Like you have clients, like you have big clients, so you don't have to name them, but you have big like multinational and, and uh, Canada, Canada wide clients. Like what are they doing in order to sort of protect themselves from this higher for longer interest rate environment? Well, that's a good question. Um, we have Stephen Polos, who was the previous uh, governor for the bank of Canada. He's a special consultant here at Osler. Um, so we get, internal quarterly updates on his read of the it's economy. Pretty good. It's a pretty what, good quarterly update. Uh, it's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. Um, and and our clients have access to, to his thoughts as well. Um, so the Bank of Canada is trying to get inflation back down to 2%. That seems to be their, their magic number. Um, <laughs> I, I think the way they, they stated is between 1% and 3% is the goal, but really it's 2%. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not an economist. I don't know if 2% is the exact right number, but again, that seems to be their goal. And mm -hmm. initially they were, they thought that they would um, be closer to that target so that they could ease interest rates in 2024. They've just pushed that back a full year. Right. So sorry, sure. they thought they were going to do it this year. They've now pushed it back to next year. So 2024 is when, they're predicting they'll be able to ease interest rates. Um, the problem is that 
How the uh, fuck do they know that now? They don't know anything. How the fuck do they know that? They know. Next, like, year, that's, Next year, though. That's we're sure about this though now. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, they're 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 forecasting as best they can, but um, to the point TK was making, the economy is uh, frustratingly not behaving the way they thought it would, no. and it's it's performing too well in the I, face of high interest rates. I did my Yorkdale mall test the other day and that place is like a beehive. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. And people are killing each other for a parking spot. It is a, a pandemonium at that mall. Like yeah. wh where is everybody getting all this money? But everybody, it, I don't understand. Everybody's looking for a job and every employer's looking for employees and there's people waiting like lines for everything and nobody can afford to live anywhere, but they're all at the fucking mall buying iWatches and going to the movies. Like, I don't get this. So, but you, you, you just put your finger on it, right? That, that we haven't lost employment, right? So even though the interest rates are, uh, have been increased and they're trying to cool off the economy, Businesses are still doing well enough that employment hasn't dropped off. No, our employment to people living in tent ratio is at like a really <laughs> good level right now. It's very manageable for the economy. Yeah, and and I think what's what's impacting housing prices it probably doesn't have anything to do with the economy. It has a lot more to do with supply and demand. Um, and the the population trend in Canada. So we. Our population is growing. We're increasing immigration. And where are all those people going? They're going to, the, they're going to the major cities in Canada, right? So Toronto, uh, the population of Toronto is forecast to grow by 100,000 people a year for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. We are not building 100,000 new residential units in Toronto. I'm trying. Right? Well, but it's good luck with that I'm because I, I don't think we're hitting 30,000, right? So we are further and further and further behind on the supply side of the equation and increasing the demand side. That's what's causing the pressure on pricing uh, for residential in Toronto, in Vancouver, uh, less so in Montreal. Um, but any desirable urban center is facing that, that problem. It's supply and demand. Yeah. And Trudeau's like, it has nothing to do with the federal government. Like, we're not doing anything to ex like to make this problem worse or we're not doing anything actually you guys just figure it out enjoy yeah and, and so so that that's where you get the politicians finger pointing at each other right because the federal government controls immigration anybody coming into the country uh, that's federal jurisdiction housing is a provincial jurisdiction that they download to municipalities, right? So while it, while the provinces have the constitutional jurisdiction over real estate and housing, it's really done at the municipal level where you get zoning bylaws, um, and, and that that's where the municipal governments start to control how you grow in a city. Um, so. That, so you get the finger pointing at the different levels. The, the province is saying you're letting in too many people. We can't handle it all. And the federal government saying housing is your responsibility and we need to grow the country. Figure it out. Yeah. Um, I've never and seen. Nobody, and nobody's figuring it out. I've never seen a new mayor and, and uh, premier join hands so fast when uh, Olivia Chow was elected.
all of a sudden Doug Ford was just like, yep. All right. We're on the same team now, you know, apparently. And let's start That's talking to works. the federal government to start, give us, give us some money. Cause we money, need money, need money, support. immigration. Yeah. This is the problem. This is the problem. Right. So yeah, yeah we're having, we're having those type of issues. Um, we see that there's a, there's a increase in the, um, demand side, but I mean, the elephant in the room is like, there's a whole boatload of people who are in trouble right now. Like there's mm -hmm. a whole lot of risk in the market. I think the risk for a recession, even though seems to be going away, uh, according to, you know, maybe IMF forecasts or, you know, what the bank of Canada or the U S fed are saying, they're all saying, Oh, job market, all that kind of stuff too. But like, we were just recently on a list, one of these lists that Canada is proud to be on that we were the highest rate, highest risk for recession in, in the world. The, the number one country based on, you know, interest rate hikes, you know, based on logic, <laughs> based on home prices, all the kind of stuff. And the people that we're bringing in to the country and I'm super pro immigration are, are putting a strain on our society one way or another, whether that's with, you know, jobs or it's social housing programs, whatever it is, it's, it's a strain, it's a strain on, on our, on our economy as, as a whole. So what, what happens and what's the, actually, you know what? I have an even better thing, Paul, please. Sorry to, to totally digress here. Paul, please tell us the story of when you bought a house in the 1980s. And the and the uh, when the market changed and how and how what that was like because a lot of the people listening to the show don't know what that was like back in the 1980s when um, I think you had bought in uh, Vaughn. Yep. So we right. we bought them. My wife and I um, bought our first house in Vaughn in uh, Woodbridge at Highway 27 in Langstaff, um, and we bought in February of 1989. Oh. And within two months, um, we bought at $333,000. And within three months, um, that property was probably worth $233,000. Part of the problem was not just the economy, um, but, uh, it, and, and this was a hard lesson to learn. It was new subdivision housing. Uh, the, the, I think the house was two years old when we bought it. And if we had paid a bit more attention, literally a two minute drive north of us were brand new subdivisions being built a year later two minutes north of that there's more subdivisions being built a year later two minutes north of that new subdivision being built so there's more and more new supply uh brand new houses were they cheaper were they cheaper than the resales um they may not have been cheaper but they were new Right. So you could buy from a builder um, and get something customized to what you wanted, um, but new, a little bit different. Um, but it, it wasn't so much the price, but what it did do was depress the price of the older stock. So when my wife and I did finally sell nine years later, one, it took us over a month to sell it, a month, month and a half. It's um, crazy. Uh, but but we lost 50, we, we got, I think we sold for $257,000 nine years after we bought it. So do you not see, right? And, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot there for, with a personal story, but like this is firsthand experience. Do you not see the same things in the market right now? Or, or is this time different? Well, it, it depends. Like, what, what, what are the three most important things about real estate? Location, 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 right? Um, so depends where you are. Um, in, in Toronto, um, 
I don't know that we're going to see a drastic price correction. What you're seeing now, and you guys would know this better than me, especially in the residential market, prices are probably flat. I don't know if they're dropping. I think they uh, dropped recently. They just started dropping. They're flat, though. I mean, they're flat. They're not. Foch put up a chart today that said everything in the GTA is kind of ruled over now. Mm -hmm. But but what's driving that? Is that more condo or is it single family? like are are some neighbor like in my neighborhood you like, it's probably the mix it's probably there's a lot less single family selling and a lot more of the smaller stuff selling which will just bring that average down pretty quick right and and are those people who were investors and were renting out the property or now seeing uh oh my mortgage is coming up for renewal i better get rid of this thing now get the fuck out quick yeah right? There's got to be so many of those like coming up or like so many people that are just like that they, they've been like, everybody keeps telling me they're going to go down soon. So I'm just going to wait because when they start going down, I'll be OK. And then they don't and they go up and it's like, oh, fuck. OK, one more, one more. I think I can handle <laughs> one more. Right. And well, so I, I read in the Globe was it this morning or yesterday morning, the price of condos, new condos has dropped for the first time in in years and and now it's Thank down God. to now it's down to something like 1500 and change a square foot which yeah. oh, which no. just blows my mind that it is still that high yeah have to drop right. the deal we were, we've been talking about this a lot and 31% of uh new home goes towards just taxes right the government's got their hand in the pot more than anybody else um construction costs are not going to be going down so the only way for those prices of condos to go down would be for A, the cost of land to significantly drop or for the um, government to basically take their hand out of the cookie jar and say, we'll just let people build, which Daryl's point is always, well, why would the developers sell it cheaper? If yeah. they got the land for less and they got the government's uh, support and they could still get 1500 or more per square foot, they're going to, right? So there is no storyline that adds to new con new condos coming online. Supply. At this discount price. Just right? supply. That's, Just having enough huge. fucking inventory to have a choice, right? Yeah. Just balance and, that supply. And, and, and you're both right. Um, no developer, if, if any one of us were the developer, we would charge what the most the market could bear, right? Because you're in it for, you're in it for profit. It's a business. Sure. Um, the only real driver that's going to impact that is more supply. If there's only one condo on the market, there's going to be a lot of people bidding for it and the price is going to go up. If there are a thousand condos on the market and only 10 buyers, well, prices are going to come down. You need to get the supply demand ratio more in balance. And right now it's out of balance. Yeah. And we have no way of building even close to enough. You're talking about 30,000 units that it's less. I mean, let's call it, let's call it 30,000 and we got a hundred thousand people. I think it's more, but we'll call it a hundred thousand. Applications you know? are we're, down. We're, Applications we're, are we down. We have no way of building that, though, that many more units per, per year. We don't have enough no, labor force. Right. We don't have enough. Um, the plan, the city planning staff is backed up. They're, they're telling us, they're like, look, we just don't have, the people who are getting coming out of planning university are all saying like, I don't want to go work for the city. That company over there is going to pay me double and I'm going to be working on some really cool projects all over the place instead of just being stuck living, you know, working for the city for the next 30 years of my life. So they don't have enough planning staff to even get all this stuff approved. No, so and there really even, isn't a world that is going to create the supply we need. 
No, it's absolutely impossible, like on every level. And now you have applications dropping. You have bankruptcies are going to come, which is going to stall a whole bunch of projects. If not, let like people are going to lose their deposits and lose their units. Then you have like all of a sudden townhouses are burning all over the place, right? The, the stock is diminishing. Plus all the other stock is getting older. Right. And there's less buyers that want to actually buy something they got to do something to. Right. Most people don't want to come in and do a renovation. Right. Most people want to move in. That's it. Right. Move their shit in and forget about it forever. That's the majority. Right. So, so like everything is leading towards the stock getting lower compared to the amount of people that want it. Right. That just is constantly skyrocketing and now did you see they added something the, the the students can now be this won't be politically correct but they they can be dumber now and still get in like they've lowered the 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 test results that you need or like the iq you need to get into canada so now the floodgates if they weren't open they've just kind of burst open a little bit more it's just right? there's no more gates anymore no just... there's no one left holding that thing open like closed right everybody's <laughs> just got fuck this we're out let's go don't forget during covid we had zero Right. So so we're playing catch up on that front, but it doesn't help the supply demand issue. Right. But so what you're seeing, what you are seeing, though, like think of the major transit projects that have happened. Um, so the St. Clair streetcar, you're now seeing new condos popping up all the way down St. Clair Avenue. Yes. TK. Right. You're going to see that on Eglinton when they finally get the crosstown going um, like 10 years from now. Yeah don't, yeah, don't ask me when, yeah. but, but if and when that finally gets running, um, you'll start seeing Condo Canyon down Eglinton. Um, you're, you're seeing the city try to figure out where to, where to increase density, where they can. Um, major shopping centers, all those surface parking lots, they're all going to grow multi-res towers. Uh, York Danforth, yeah. like we've got this whole subway line, subway line along Danforth. What the hell are these guys doing? Um, University Avenue, right? It used to just be yeah. hospitals and a couple of office towers. You're going to start seeing condos there. So um, it might be too little, too late, um, but it's more. Um, but we need way, way more. And and of course, when you if you start a new residential project today, when are people actually going to be able to live in it? Three years, four years from now? Well, we're going to be a hundred thousand people a year further behind by the time we get there. So. The, the problem is magnifying faster than we can solve it. Yeah. Three and three to four years would be optimistic. It's, uh, you know, based on, based on just like the actual, like it's 10, like it's just right across the board and companies come here. We had an architect on here on the show one time and his company came in from the States, the biggest company in the United States or, or one of them. And after spending a few years here and seeing all the bureaucracy and red tape around development, they left like, you can't, you can't, can't move fast here there's no there's no way to be able to actually get things online right yeah and even if even if you do have political support for a new project well now you have neighborhoods to deal with right like nimbyism is alive and well right so how dare you want to build a condo a block away from my house you know it's crazy though like the one we're working on like we're working on a deal right now and we Forget about like we have a yimbyism going on. We have That's actual 
No, but it's really crazy. Like we have neighbors. Yeah. It's super unique. Neighborhood support. Still, they, I don't know that they had support like before, but like yeah. there's definitely neighbors support, like a lot of it. And there's council support all of a sudden. And the like the city solicitors support, like everybody's in support of moving this thing forward all of a sudden. It's like really crazy. I feel like the, 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 like the way that they are in planning has kind of changed a little bit in the last six to eight months. They seem to be a little bit more um, non-combative. I don't know if you if you deal with any of that or you see any of that. That that's not really um, what I do day to day. My friend who's literally sits next to me that's that's his uh, that's his uh, jurisdiction. But um, but I, I think housing in particular has reached a crisis in Canadian cities. So I'm not surprised by what you're saying because um, no one's got their foot on the brake anymore. We need more. We need it faster. We need it everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. Like, how do you make it happen? I'm I'm curious, why, why are the neighbors uh, in support of a new project? What are they right, what right. benefit to them? So, there's, so a there's a benefit. I mean, it's a very, very expensive neighborhood. And these houses have been derelict since like 2005. And like they've or been longer. condemned and they've been falling into each other. And like that doesn't attract the best crowd. Right. So I think everybody around there. You know, I mean, there's apartments and there's uh, c commercial properties flanking this. And it's just it's not good for anybody's business. Right. Plus, the 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 houses on the street are kind of devalued because you drive up the street and you see like uh, a shanty town on the way to like, you know, four or five million dollar houses. It's uh, it's just better for everyone that this thing moves along and you feel it, though, which is the crazy thing is because I spend my whole like uh, YouTube career here, blasting them for all their yellow tape and all their craziness. And on the last two, they've been like pretty forthright and helpful, which is like mind blowing. This one, especially TK, I got some news for you, buddy. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. It's been crazy. Yeah. Well, I think these are the things that they need to do in order to push, push the. Uh, I'm hopeful for the first time in my development career that maybe we're going to make some progress. It still won't be enough, though. That's the thing. But we'll make some progress, which is kind of cool, because that's unusual. Yeah, but I mean, there, there's talk about what land can government free up for this, right? Like the city owns land, the province owns land, the feds own land. Um, can, how much of it can be freed up for, for housing? Because we really are in a crisis situation right now. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, and and so what do we do? We take uh, hundreds of, if not thousands of people out of Regent Park. So now they have to move, right? Because now we're doing phase four and five of Regent Park, which means like there was people living there. So they all have to get moved to some other crappy CMHC or whatever the thing's called, some other building, which puts more pressure on. But then they're going to build up thousands of units of which... Uh, maybe 25% are like replacing what they had before. And the rest are at like, you know, market rates or some kind of rate that like doesn't help most people. Right. Like this is, this is what happens instead of like, they, they gotta have a piece of land that they could just mow over that does, or like a parking lot and just boom, give them 90 stories. Go. 
spilled it already. What are you waiting for? Think of every every elementary school and every high school. Yeah. Put, put 20 stories on top of it. That's like such a great idea. Right? The school on the bottom. Libraries. Tower on top. Yeah. And, and, and the school faces one way, the entrance to the residential is yeah. on the other side. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. There are ways to where you can separate them. Um, Put on but, the second floor, side right. entrance, boom. Right, But but we're, we're all going to have to take a lesson from Vancouver. When you can't go sideways, you, the only way is up. Right? Oh. So there, our city is going to get a lot more vertical, and it has to. Right? It's going to get a lot more dense because... That's what major urban centers are. Think of New York, think of uh, London, uh, Singapore, Hong Kong. Uh, it's all a lot of towers. May not be the ideal living situation, but if people want to live in cities, that's, it's inevitable. What's what's the highest floor you've ever been on, Paul? Like what's the highest level on a condo or something? Office? On a condo. Well, uh, our, our offices are floor 61 through 67 uh, at first Canadian place. So that's scary right there. It, it is not that's high. It, it's, it's, it's lovely. I, I, <laughs> I, I can look down on the well right there. I can see my daughter's condo in Mimico right over there. Oh, uh, cool. I can see in towers around, if I just crane my neck around the corner, I can, uh, see that, but, uh, uh but no, would, would I want to live up here? I wouldn't mind living this high in a building. Uh, I don't know that I'd like taking the elevator that much every time I needed to step outside, mind you. But uh, but no, it's uh, I wouldn't mind living up this high. Yeah, you might be more used to. It. I think I've been at about seventy five, something like that. You know, and I was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't live up here. But now but we've got like a hundred floors, like, and they're pushing them higher and higher. Like during the yeah. during the construction, they're like, well, you know, I know you gave me eighty five, but now I want ninety. Have, have you seen I the lineups here? Have you seen the lineups of people waiting to get like? on the elevator at some of these buildings downtown at like peak hours after after work no it's crazy it's so, crazy so you you also have to get used to uh, perhaps not the best water pressure uh, in residential towers that get that high uh -huh. um, you also have to get used to buildings swaying in the wind because um, mm -hmm. that happens yeah have you ever been in a building and just felt like hold on did, did everybody just feel that was that me should so, I stop so, what I'm doing right now? So first Canadian place is a big ass building. Yeah. And it moves. It moves. Okay. It, For it, sure it moves. And you 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 can feel it sway like it has to be a off, awfully windy day. But yeah. but yeah, you you do feel it move. Could yeah. you see any of the forest fires from up there? Uh no, because I think I, I I look north and I look west. Um, mm. I, I, I can see, uh, I can see weather before it hits here. <laughs> yeah, That's cool. Sure. I, yeah. yeah. I can see sure. the rain and the snow coming. Ever see a plane that looked like it got a little too close for comfort? I can tell you the day of nine 11. Um, <laughs> oh, so God. We, we sent everybody home. Um, and, and, uh, a junior lawyer and I were working on a deal. Um, and we closed and we were just sitting around doing, uh, we were already in the office. We, uh, and it was around one o'clock and I walked into his office and said like, okay, honestly, you and I are the biggest idiots. Like we need to go home. We need to go home. Right. Like, like this is, if anyone is going to target, uh, if any terrorist organization was going to target a building in Canada, 
first Canadian place is good. <laughs> it's going to be the one. What the pick, hell are yeah. we doing here? Let's, they let's look on the home. list, right? They look on the list. Yeah. Uh, that or the CN place. Tower, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same tower, no one's in it. In there. Yeah. yeah, no one's in it. Exactly. Yeah. Paul, Paul, we uh, we could talk to you forever. Uh, you yeah. know, we, we really appreciate your time. Um, I think, you know, based on what I'm hearing, okay, and just, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like, um, you know, even though there's a lot of things that are going out there, there's a lot of change, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, people who are, who are suffering on, a, on an individual basis, maybe, or even some of the businesses, it still seems like the Canadian economy overall is doing well, that there are, you know, businesses expanding, there's reasons to be in an office, there's reasons to be here, there's reasons to be building, uh, you know, new residential towers. And it, it sounds like the world is not going to fall apart as we know it. Uh, based on you know the knowledge that us three have on uh, on you know with our clients and, and the economy itself, it sounds like we we're, we're going to do okay. Maybe some bumpy roads, but overall things things should be moving forward. I, I would completely agree with that. We we do need to do a better job managing the situation um, because, uh, as I said, residential is in crisis right now. Um, and that, that should be a number one priority for every level of government. And I think it is. Um, so I am optimistic. Uh, I think we're, we'll have to weather a very tough period for uh, probably at least six months, maybe 12. Uh, but I think at that point, hopefully things will start looking a lot more optimistic. I think we're longer than six to 12. I think it's going to be just, you know, we've, we've, we, we had a really good run there. You know, it was just... Just so many years of prosperity and just a little glimpse here and a little glimpse there. Like we're due for like a real dull decade or something, you know, where people just have to really just kind of accept things the way they are, you know? Uh, uh, well, time will tell which one of You're us optimistic. is. optimistic. Yeah. The, the, underlying, <laughs> the underlying fundamentals for why we had such a, a positive cycle yeah. are still there. I know, I know. Nothing, I agree, nothing. I agree with that. They don't have another answer either. It's like when, whenever the shit does hit the fan, the only thing they're going to do is start printing more money and lowering rates. Like, and that will just set off the next leg of whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I got well, a feeling it's going to get pretty ugly for a bit first, though, at some point. Well, we'll see who's right. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Maybe. Thanks for joining us today, Paul. Uh thank you. Thank you for having me. That was fun. Yeah, thanks, Paul. That was great.